Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Hello again from Denver Seminary. My name is Don Payne and it's my privilege to serve as your host for Engage 360. And I'm glad to be joined again by our president, Dr. Mark Young, who's serving as our co-host for a number of episodes during this auspicious time in our world history. So Mark, uh, good to see you again. Thanks, Don. You too. Thanks for having me and uh, really appreciate your commitment to this podcast. We're having a good time with it, uh, though maybe good time is not the the best descriptor <laughs> during the current times, but uh, overall we're we're really enjoying doing this. Uh, Mark, before we get into our topic and guest for today, would you be willing to give maybe a brief presidential update on things from the seminary? Glad to do it. Yeah. Uh, I think the first thing to say is that the seminary is continuing to offer all of its classes, all the ones that we were offering at the beginning of the semester, we're now completing. We're not having any classes on campus. We were able to make the transition to uh, Zoom mediated teaching uh, relatively, relatively easily. That's because we'd made large investments in both equipment, technology, and training before the pandemic occurred. We've had very few students who've had to drop out or suspend their work. Uh, those who have uh, made that decision typically have had to because of financial issues or because of life change situations, not because of the move toward uh, technology-mediated instruction. So we're really thankful for that. And we're also uh, not having any of our employees come to campus except just a few for uh, occasional essential work that they have to do. And once again, we're so thankful that early we invested in technology that allows us to continue our operations. So in many regards, Don, it's full speed ahead, uh, just in a different kind of a mode. Yeah, than a different have been. Right, that's right. Um, and then I would also... I'm also very encouraged by the fact that we've been able to make decisions in a timely manner that have helped our students plan better for the future. So we're postponing our commencement in May uh, that was scheduled for May back to August. That allows students to not make travel arrangements and just take some of the uncertainty off their plate so that, so that we can um, plan better and they can plan better. Um, I think it's also important to say that our donor community has remained committed and involved with us. And uh, we're planning to offer a full slate of courses in the summer. Enrollment looks good for the summer. And uh, based on what we're seeing right now, we have strong interest for the fall. So we have a lot to be thankful for, and not the least of which is our staff and faculty who've made this adaptation with a tremendous sense of commitment and. Um, yeah, I'm humbled by their by their work. Well, your comments about technology are are apt because uh, that um, this has probably been a good opportunity for many to shift attitudes about technology. Where you know, classic educators uh, are are not always prone to uh, think positively about technologically mediated education, uh, but that uh, now we're really really grateful for it, huh? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think there's, a, there's a, a stream of thought circulating, not just in higher ed, but in business, 
that suggests because of this kind of uh, pandemic scenario or this scenario, uh, we now all have to take a look at what will be the way to do our work after the pandemic. Oh, yeah. And, and so it could be that we are gaining an experience and learning that will serve us beautifully moving into the future. Now, don't overinterpret what I've just said. I certainly believe we will continue to have classes in person on campus uh, after we're able to do so. Uh, but I do believe we're learning a lot. And as you said, a lot of our faculty are not only learning how to use technology mediated instruction, but many of them are embracing it, whereas perhaps they may have been hesitant in the past. So for that, I'm very thankful. Right, right. Thanks for that. Let's, um, let's get to our topic for the day. Um, in my lifetime, I don't remember our entire world being joined in focus on a single cause as we're experiencing right now with the coronavirus. Uh, we're under national protocols that extend into every neighborhood and affect even our churches. And the situation seems to change almost by the hour, if I'm reading things correctly. Uh, as you may have seen here and there on the news, some people on the front lines of this battle, however, have to think about those protocols a bit differently. And so in order to get a better grasp on, on this situation and to know maybe a little better how to dial in our own prayers and involvement, uh, we wanted to hear from hear more from the front lines. And that's why we've invited back to Engage 360, the executive director of the Denver Rescue Mission, Brad Miley. Uh, welcome back, Brad. Good to see you again. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Brad, uh, many of you listeners may recall, was one of our earliest round of guests on Engage 360. Uh, he was on episode 12, as I recall. Uh, if you did not hear that episode, you, you should do so. You can get a little bit better acquainted with Brad there. Uh, I will mention again here, though, that Brad also serves as the chair of the Board of Trustees at Denver Seminary, and we are exceptionally grateful for that. Uh, clearly, he does not have enough to do these days. It's my, it really is my honor to be able to do this. And uh, I've, I've uh, had the opportunity to, uh, to come alongside to watch the seminary through this challenging time. And so appreciate uh, uh, Dr. Mark Young's leadership and really just the outstanding leadership of our faculty and staff that I, I, I think uh, as they continue to be committed to providing uh, uh, seminary uh, education uh, to uh, students so that they can share, share Christ across the world. And so uh, it's, it's really exciting to me to see uh, the way we've had to be flexible at the Denver Seminary and the outstanding job they've done. Well, thanks for that. We're, uh, we're equally impressed and uh, admiring of the work you and your staff are doing at the Denver Rescue Mission and really want to probe into that because you have been in the local media a fair bit lately. I know that you are in contact with city officials on a daily basis. Uh, so you're probably our best intel here for what's going on in the, in the city. Uh, can you give us a sense, Brad, of how the coronavirus overall has affected operations at the Denver Rescue Mission? 
Well, sure. This uh, this is our fifth week uh, in, involved with this. And what's different about uh, uh, a shelter like the Denver Rescue Mission is uh, while the rest of the world has been socially distancing, really the Denver Rescue Mission has not been able to do that until just really a couple days ago. And so, uh, you know, the shelters typically try to put as many people as they can in because they don't want people to freeze to death, to go hungry. Uh, and so, uh, so this has been a real struggle for us. And yes, there is, there's been a real concerted effort by all the shelter providers where we work closely with Catholic Charities and uh, St. Francis, which is a day center and uh, Volunteers of America and Urban Peak and Gathering Place and Dolores Project as well as the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. We're, we're on a call daily with that group, uh, a group from, uh, they call the EOC, which is the Emergency um, Office. Uh, I can never remember what the C stands for, but it's basically made up of um, the mayor's staff in uh, Denver Department of Human Services, um, uh, Denver Department of Health, you know, uh, all coming together to, uh, to, to talk, usually for an hour, sometimes a couple hours a day, and say, okay, what's our next move? What we should, what should we be doing? And Don, you're right. It has been, it has just been changing uh, almost hourly. You know the things that uh, uh, that uh, we've had to do. And so the Denver Rescue Mission, very early in the process, realized we had to cut back on some of the other things that we do: our family rescue ministry, our refugee program, and really focus on the shelter and our Lawrence Street facility. Uh, actually two shelters in our Lawrence Street facility, which is where people come in, you know, during the daytime to be able to get something to eat and to be able to be in our courtyard. Uh, the very hard part of this is I've had to send our staff, men and women, into this fire, that's which is what we call it, without the benefit of social distancing and until very recently without the benefit of any masks or any uh, people. Wow stuff. And so it's really been um, a great struggle. The good news is that we've only had two people uh, that are outside guests uh, uh, show up with COVID-19 and only at this point, only one staff member. And so, uh, so that's a one pretty, remar pretty remarkable for the number. It's a blessing. We, I mean, it's honestly, it's really a miracle. And so uh, um, so that's, uh, so we just kind of all hands on deck, bringing everyone together, trying to figure out how we continue to keep some thousand plus people that we work with on a daily basis, um, alive and try to continue to help them. And, uh, and they're fearful as well. How have the numbers changed? You did mention, mention a thousand plus. What does that represent in terms of increase? Yeah, yeah. well, um, here's what's been happening, uh, and this is where it's really concerning, and uh, is the, the library closed, and the library has, in most cities, has become a de, de facto day center for homeless people. So it closed, and those people had nowhere to go. And then, you know, the McDonald's closed and a couple other shelters closed. And all of a sudden, we're just feeling more and more pressure inside our Lawrence Street Community Center with a number of people. So folks that used to eat breakfast and then go to different places or different day centers, maybe go to the library, we're just staying in place. And so we have a place that uh, at Lawrence Street Community Center that will feed about and sit about 325 people. And we had... 600 people inside there. 
you know, and we didn't clement weather, you know, that didn't want to go anywhere. And so, uh, so we worked with the city to city uh, opened up another rec center. St. Francis was able to uh, open up uh, uh, kind of a community center close by. And so we worked very closely to try to disperse folks. Uh, but just last night, we were able to uh, work closely with the city to get the National Western uh, opened up. And uh, this will allow for, for the first time in the last five weeks that this uh, pandemic's been going on, will allow us to be able to socially distance people. Uh, each person has about 60 square feet. And listen, I know that doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot when it comes to a pandemic. Uh, but when your life comes down to having a cot and a small chair and 60 feet, uh, you know, it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty hard. So, uh, uh, but the, we're in 155,000 square foot uh, place of the National Western. And uh, last night, I think we had about 650 people, uh, 650 men. This is a men's facility. And, uh, uh, and so they can, it's 24 seven now, so they can stay there, but then they get three meals a day and we're trying to connect them. They come through our, uh, a medical screening and uh, Stout Street Medical Clinic provides and they determine whether or not they might need to go to another uh, transitional place or if they need to go right to the hospital uh, to be checked. And so we haven't had that before. Uh, we always had to send them somewhere to South Street Medical Clinic. And so that's, that's also been a wonderful thing. So we're hoping now that the social distancing, having the medical team right on, uh, right on site will really help us uh, to, you know, slow all this. And uh, uh, in, we're, we're very nervous about it, uh, you know, spreading among people that are homeless because they tend to be more uh, vulnerable. Uh, they tend to be like the 65-year-olds who, uh, who everyone has talked about being more vulnerable to uh, COVID-19. Yeah. Mark, I'm, I'm curious your take on this, your questions. for Sure. Brad, uh, Brad I, it's really interesting to hear you talk about the different agencies that are involved, um, some of which are nonprofits, church-related or ministry-related, but yet also governmental participation. Mm. Um, I, I my sense is that most of the direct services provided for homeless people are provided by nonprofit organizations and that the government plays governmental agencies play a support role. Is that, is that true? I would say that is really true. Yes. And so uh, uh, they come really the city comes alongside most of the nonprofit agencies. That's true. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting yesterday we were doing a webinar talking about, the state of the world, especially when a pandemic arises and how that creates a sense of vulnerability and a sense, you know, that the world really isn't what it ought to be. One of the points that we made that was brought up yesterday is the simple fact that because God's people are on the earth, things aren't as bad as they could be. Mm. In fact, mm. the church plays mm. a role in restraining the tragic consequences of the fall and evil. Mm. Mm. I see you guys doing that as a very, in a very tangible way. You're providing something for these folks that certainly no for-profit entity would do. There's no profit to be made. And that in some places, government has not been able to provide. You guys are standing there as the community, as followers of Jesus, 
providing something for a population that simply would be forgotten by the broader broader society and, and many others. You know, Mark, this is what Christians have done throughout the years. And I, you know, I, uh, I was sharing with a group of pastors uh, just yesterday uh, at the National Western, they came to see what we were doing. And I said, it's, it has been the Christians, uh, you know, there was, uh, that have stepped forward during the epidemics. And uh, it's because of Chris, the Christians stepped forward that a, um, uh, a Roman emperor became a Christian. You know, as the Roman families were just pushing the sick out into the streets, and it was the Christians that came alongside of them and lifted them up. And so uh, this, is, this is what we do. And I, I tell my staff, look, first of all, I know that God's in control of this. He, he knew all of this was going to happen before it ever did happen. And he is con in control, and we can really trust that uh, he's in control. And as well, this is an opportunity for us as uh, Christians to shine in a way that, uh, we, as, as Don said, I, I can never remember a time like this, you know? And, uh, I, and so that's, that's really what we're trying to do. I, I think it's interesting you met, mentioned uh, uh, you know, the webinar that you guys did, and I've I heard Bob Cotillo talk about this, and I, I love what he said, how people react either with love and faithfulness or they act with fear and self-preservation. Mm -hmm. It's been surprising to me to see some of these great Christian brothers and sisters react more with fear and self-preservation. You know, at the same time, there's been people on the other side that are so unselfish. You know, I, I, I tell people that, um, you know, uh, Christ came so that we no longer have the fear of death, you know, and, and this enables us to think about others, to, to want to be able to uh, lift up uh, other people and to be able to help them. And so this is our time. This really is our time. Uh, and that part of it is really exciting. Mm. Brad, you, uh, you're, you're reminding me of something that we, we heard from our episode of last week when Mark and I interviewed uh, our graduate, uh, Drew Yancey, and we had a great discussion about some of the economic and work-related impact that we might anticipate. And Drew used a phrase from the business world that I'm still, I'm still mulling on. He called it system shock, mm. uh, where you know, every so often something comes through that sort of jars any system to its core and nothing is ever the same afterward. And when, when you talk about uh, the, many sectors of the world not being prone to or not being uh, equipped to respond to something like this, but this is what the church does, it makes me wonder also whether uh, the church in, in its various manifestations will be undergoing a system shock so that mm. we're having to rethink ministry in some way. Mm. And th there is some of that fear that you talked about is, is probably running through some, uh, some corridors of, of the church and Christians and feeling like, oh, our ministries are going to be curtailed or you know, what's going to happen to our ministry because of all this. And where's our funding going to come from? And I I'm wondering whether we ought to be thinking in terms of crisis creating ministry rather than curtailing ministry. And so I'm really, really curious to hear from you on how, how you sense this is going to expand ministry. How's this going to be a system shock that will, 
will enhance or expand or deepen our approach to ministry, both, you know, in what you're doing, but maybe throughout the church. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, Don, that's a great question. I know that we're going to be different on the other end of this than we were going into it. I absolutely know that. And you can see, uh, I mean, just with Denver Seminary, the way that they're providing education, we were, we were moving to more online classes. And just like Mark said, we, it's not like we won't have in-classroom in classes anymore, but wow, did that accelerate, you know? Uh, and, and these calls that I'm on, when I, uh, when I talk about meeting with all these people, everything's on Zoom now, you know, uh, or, or, or some variation of Zoom. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, to, you know, talking, I'm sure that ministry will change, but, and it's, it's so interesting. It's hard for me to really think much uh, out into the future. You know, we're right now planning through uh, April and we're preparing for, you know, May and into June. As, and I, I can't really think much further than that. Uh, I do want to comment, though, you talked about this shock to the systems. This is really an interesting thing. When, we, when this first came up, uh, all 65-year-olds and older, I, I sent home. Or they're still being paid by the Denver Rescue Mission, but, but we sent them home. And then we looked at folks that had various health issues uh, or were taking care of perhaps an elderly parent or someone that had uh, autoimmune deficiencies. And so there were some other people we sent home. And so we went out into the marketplace and here's how ministry changes i think in a powerful way and you can see the system that, that he was talking about i i went out and asked to, to see if i could find 35 people to come and work at the denver rescue mission now typically we have a statement of faith we have ministry principles and we waived all that and i said i need some people to come and you have to understand we're a christian organization and you have to be willing to come and and uh and, and not fight against us as we share our faith with people, but I'm not asking them to share a faith they don't have. And so uh, I had 300 applicants. You know, these are, these are bartenders, these are restaurant people, waiters and all that sort of thing, people that had lost their jobs. And they entered into the fight with us. Unbelievable. Because they were trying to make mortgage payments. They're trying to make rent payments. They're trying to take care of their family. And I remember the first four that came and we did an orientation and uh, I went in there and I just, I went in there to thank him. And I said, you're, you're coming into the fire, you know, and this, this impacted me so much. One of the guys turned to me and he said, Brad, thank you for giving me a job. Hmm. Well, Tough job, a job that other people don't want to do. This guy wasn't even, this guy wasn't even a Christian. He's just trying to make it. And, what an opportunity to be able to share the love of Jesus, you know, with this guy as he, as he works with us. I, I mean, I, I, there's a story after story like that of just these opportunities. I'm sorry. I get very, very passionate about this because I, I, have, oh, man. I have 240 people that, as far as I'm concerned, are just in the middle of the fire doing incredible work. Yes. I think your passion is contagious, Brad, and that's why you, you have people who are willing to step into that fire. That, that's good leadership when, because of your commitment to what you're doing. You communicate that to others. Those are the kinds of leaders that are able to lead people into the fire.
Uh, it's also, I think, I also want to compliment your, your leadership in being someone who builds allies instead of making enemies. In other words, you've been willing to work across denominational lines with other Christian groups. You're able to work with government entities, people involved in politics, different sides of the aisle. I think when we have a crisis, we find out who are those leaders who've been making allies to meet needs and who are those leaders who've been making enemies in order to win political points. You're clearly in the first category. And because of that, you've been able to lead a charge into a population doing things that are truly sacrificial and dangerous. I, I want to compliment you on that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mark. It's, it's, uh, we all have the same goal and that's we, everyone wants to help people. You know, we, we believe by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people that it's all about eternity. You know, it's not just this time here. And so, uh, but uh, there, it's a delicate balance, but, you know, we honestly, we all have the same goal and uh, to help this, to help homeless, vulnerable, poor people. And oh my goodness, did Jesus love the poor. Brad, how's the rest of your staff doing? Those who are still hanging in there with you. And I, I assume now from your earlier comment, you've been able to, to mask and glove most everybody, but how are they holding up under the pressure of all this? Uh, you know what? Good. I think they're very excited that we're out at the Nor uh, National Western and that we're able to kind of bring everyone together. We were operating three different shelters. And so that, uh, and we were busing people, which made it much more difficult. And so, uh, but this is, that's the world we lived in prior to this. And so uh, uh, the, t the National Western is a temporary thing. I don't know if it'll go through April. I don't know if it'll go through May, but uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, my, my staff is, uh, is, is really hanging in there, you know, but we talk a lot about the fact this is a marathon and not a sprint. And although I feel like we've been sprinting for five weeks. <laughs> and so uh, I, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm very humbled to be working alongside of these people. And most of them, the reason I think, and I appreciate what Mark said about uh, my leadership. I, I appreciate that so much. But these are folks that know and love the Lord, you know, and they are, they're willing to, uh, they're to overcome their fears and uh, to go uh, and be in the fire because, you know, they believe people matter. And, uh, you know, the thousand plus people that uh, we're serving, uh, you know, they, they want to love up, up on them in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's pretty powerful to work. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, times like this, will always seem to bring certain aspects of our theology into focus. They, they seem to force us to think more deeply or think more clearly about God, about God's ways, what it means to love and trust God, what it means to be involved in the mission of God. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. How, and of course, I know, I know that you're, um, right now you're probably just trying to remember what's the next thing I have to do. <laughs> if you have the, if you have the bandwidth to reflect on that, um, though that, that may be a longer term question, but it's just initial reflections on how is this, what's this bringing to the surface in terms of, uh, I'll tell you one thing that I really, uh, there's been a lot of blessings in this. Uh, one thing that I really do appreciate is that I've learned that uh, 
I'm not in control. You know, I uh, listen and we try to be in control. You know, for instance, we take really good set of care, care of ourselves. We exercise, we're eating right. And, and you still have a heart attack, you know, and uh, even though you may have done those things. And so uh, I, I think realizing that God is in control, you know, we're not is just is really, really important. And I think what we've learned to be is more flexible uh, and I, I'm sure the Denver, the Denver Seminary feels the same way. Wow, we have to flex. We have nimble, very nimble. And Mark was already leading that charge, I think, with a lot of our online um, uh, online classes and fully online MDiv, and you know, uh, and and thank, praise God that uh, uh, Mark was here doing that, and uh, you know, and the and the, and the uh, faculty wanted to do that as well because it really prepared us for, uh, for what's coming. Um, let me just say one thing about leadership and this probably uh, best sums up kind of my uh, uh, philosophy. I have a uh, staff member that um, I was meeting with one day for lunch we're waiting for someone to come. And he goes, Brad, I know that uh, you were a Marine Corps officer. He goes, I know that you have an MA in leadership from Denver Seminary. And, uh, and he said, and you're leading uh, as a CEO of the Denver Rescue Mission. You need to give me just one leadership thing that I could uh, take away with, from all your wisdom, which was kind of funny that he said wisdom, but I appreciated it. And so uh, uh, he goes, what would it be? And I thought for a minute and I said, you know what? God's in control. I'm not. And he said, that's it? And I said, <laughs> you know what? That is it. That says a lot. You do the very best that you can, you know, uh, and you, you try to walk with the Lord and look for his wisdom and his guidance. But, but in the end, it, it's, 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 it's all under God's control. And the sooner that, you know, for me is just giving it to him and going, Lord, I know, I know that you're in control and I'm just going to trust you. And so, and frankly, that's what we try to do here at the Denver Rescue Mission too. You know, that's, it's great to hear you say that because that at one level, any, I suppose, any biblically oriented, thinking, engaged Christian would say that, right? So we know that, but we really don't until that's <laughs> tested at a deep level. And then we, we learn it at a whole new depth of understanding. So we mean a lot more by that when we say it during times like this. Any big surprises you've had? in all of this? Uh, well, one, one of the things Mark talked about is, I, I, I don't know if it's such a surprise, but an encouragement. And that is the way people have banded together. Uh, and Mark mentioned it in a, a long, yeah, not denominational or whether you're, you know, you're not even a Christian organization or city government, everyone has come together, you know, and so, um, there, there is always some politics still, but there's, there's not as much because people's lives really are at stake. And so, um, uh, so that, that, that's an encourage, really an encouragement to me. Wow. I've been, I've been surprised sometimes by, um, and maybe I shouldn't have been by, you know, people's, uh, people's fear, you know, uh, some, you know, great, Christian men and women that I've known that uh, this is, you know, it's really, really rocked them and they've been very fearful. And so, uh, and, and you know what, it, it's okay. I, I tell, I tell them, look, it's okay to be afraid. I'm afraid. It's what you do with that fear, you know, uh, and how you live with it and how you try to, uh, 
give it to God and trying to hang in there that I think is the most important thing. Yeah, good word. Mark, your closing thoughts? I was going to ask Brad this question. Uh, Brad, if there are folks who hear this podcast and they want to help in what you're doing, what are some ways that listeners could engage with you? How could they make gifts to help you? And how could they volunteer if that's still a part of your profile? Sure. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Well, we always appreciate financial gifts through uh, denverrescuemission.org. You can go uh, there. If you're under 60 years old and you feel like you would like to volunteer to help us serve uh, meals, I, I, I just served a meal this morning because we've just gotten this uh, uh, new uh, supplemental shelter up at the National Western. But you can go to denverrescuemission.org and uh, check on our volunteer button. And we're serving... Uh, we, we need 10 people at breakfast, lunch, and dinner at uh, the National Western to come and serve a meal. You, and you, you'll need to bring a mask, you know, uh, and basically you're kind of behind the line serving, uh, serving meals. But, but that's, a, that's a real need that we have. And you, I'm, I'm, when you look across that and you see people and they're so thankful that you're there, that you're providing them a meal. It's, uh, it's incredible, incredibly moving. Not everyone can volunteer, and I understand that for a variety of reasons. Uh, but if you're able, you know, uh, we're an essential business, and uh, our volunteers are essential. And this has been a great, uh, this is a great surprise to me as well, Don, is, and it shouldn't have been, but volunteers continue to come. They okay. continue to come. The body of Christ just continues to come and serve right alongside of us. And it is overwhelming. You're here. Thanks You're here. to God. Yeah. Brad, thanks. Thanks so much for carving out some time to chat with us and uh, more, much more deeply for all that you're doing in the name of our Lord to, to house and feed and care for people. Um, it's always a risk, but now at, at even greater risk and greater cost. So, Well, Don, and thank you. And I, I just want you to know that uh, my time at Denver Seminary, uh, working on this MA in leadership, uh, uh, really helped prepare me for this day, for such a time as this. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear. We have been uh, interacting with Brad Miley, who's the executive director of the Denver Rescue Mission. And a man right on the front lines with the coronavirus and all of its impact here uh, in the front range of Colorado. And we're very grateful for him and for his service and his friendship and grateful for all of you who carve out a little bit of time uh, either periodically or hopefully weekly to let us um, try to build into your life through Engage 360. We would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or comments or suggestions or uh, reviews or anything you can email us podcast at denverseminary.edu is our email address uh, but for my co-host dr mark young and for our production team and and everybody here at denver seminary thanks for uh, letting us take a little bit of your time may the lord keep you and preserve you uh, stay wise stay safe stay healthy but stay engaged Talk to you soon.